Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then discuss it. This is page 695. To spot, when I was growing, I trained to have control. He held up a hand and made a tight fist to illustrate his point. Hurt, hungry, thirsty, tired. He shook his fist after each of these to show his mastery over it. Women? The faintest of smiles touched his face and he shook his fist again, but with none of the firmness he had used before. A murmur of laughter ran through the room. I say this, if Quoth did not go, I may. Martin nodded. As for our other friend, he cleared his throat and gestured across the room. Hespi convinced him to stay. There was more laughter at this. After a moment of searching, I spied where Dayton and Hespi sat. Dayton seemed to be fighting down a furious blush. Hespi rested a hand possessively on his leg. She smiled a private, satisfied smile. The next day we looked for him. Martin said, regaining the room's attention. We followed his trail through the woods. We found his sword half a mile from the pool. No doubt he lost it in his haste to catch her. His cloak hung from a branch not far from there. Martin lifted up the threadbare cloak I had bought from the tinker. It looked like it had been savaged by a mad dog. It was caught on a branch. He must have torn free rather than lose sight of her. He idly fingered the ripped edges. If it had been made of stronger stuff, he might still be with us here tonight. I know my cue when I hear it. I stepped through the doorway and felt everyone turn to look at me. I have found a better cloak since, I said, made by Florian's own hand. And I have a story, too, one you will be telling your children's children. I smiled. There was a moment of silence, then an uproar as everyone began to speak at once. My companions stared at me in stunned disbelief. Dayton was the first to recover, and after making his way to where I stood, surprised me with a rough one-armed embrace. Only then did I notice one of his arms was hanging from his neck in a splint. I gave it a questioning look. Did you run into trouble? I asked while the room buzzed chaotically around us. Dayton shook his head. Hespi, he said simply. He didn't take too kindly to the thought of me running off with after that fairy woman. She sort of uh, convinced me to stay. She broke your arm? I remembered my parting glimpse of Hespi holding him to the ground. The big man looked down at his feet. A bit. She sort of uh, held on to it while I tried to twist away. He gave a slightly sheepish smile. I guess you could say we broke it together. That's the page. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Is it bad that I think it's incredibly cute that Dana said that they broke his arm together? No, it's, it's very cute. It is cute. They're first date. Foth basically <laughs> says the same thing on the next page. It is cute. That's a great, like, this is how we got together. I wouldn't let him go off into the Fae to be driven mad by the Fae Temptress. Yeah, what a I great story! In... Like, if they if they end up like growing old together, what what a great story to like tell their kids and their friends, like mm-hmm. however many years down the road when they're old and sitting in I don't know a rocking chair with a blanket. <laughs> yep, and that's how I met your mother. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent. I think there's something important hidden on this page. And that is that uh, it is said explicitly that if Quoth had had a better cloak, he might not have been snared by Felurian. And uh, wouldn't you know it, he would have had a better cloak if only he hadn't traded it to the Tinker. You're right. Oh, my God. I love it. It's amazing. It was meant to be. Uh, You could. I I need to look at the the chapter again, but it could be that the Tinker uh, arranged things so that Quoth met the Cathay, <gasps> potentially. 
Because the tinker was like, oh, I'll trade you the way that cloak. You don't have enough for this. Well, how about we swap cloaks, right? That's a mighty fine cloak you have. Mm. Even if it's not with the explicit intention of him meeting the Cathay, if our theory that the tinkers are fey themselves in disguise or that their donkeys are fey in disguise and the tinkers are merely cat's paws, maybe a fey kind of arranged was like just on the you know, whether it was just causing mischief or whether it was for some ulterior purpose was like, I think that this guy might run into Flurian and wouldn't it be convenient if his cloak didn't hold him back? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe like the, the, the Fae Tinker donkey knew that Flurian was like in the neighborhood and that the moon was in the right place at the, like, soon kind of thing. I don't think they're just doing quote a favor and sending him to fuck land. I think that there's a a bigger vision at play here. I'm not saying that there isn't a bigger vision. I'm just saying they can't they can't guarantee something will happen, but they're doing things to assist the situation rather than guaranteeing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's so much we don't know about the Tinkers and what their their whole deal is that I can't don't think we can say anything for sure. But if they were arranging to have Quoth go into Fae, they would have to have serious foreknowledge of because it ha- like he meets that Tinker weeks before he ends up going into Fae, so that Tinker would have to have serious knowledge of future events. Perhaps perfect vision of the future, all futures, all possible futures at all times, branching out from the current moment. Perhaps. Perhaps. I want to point out that we get some really good characterization of Quoth's companions on this page and how they've changed since the last time he saw them. Like, when we last left them, like, Tempe was still learning the common tongue from Quoth and kind of learning how to make himself understood and becoming more confident in social situations. And now he's like taking part in telling a story at a tavern. He even gets a laugh out of the crowd and he's using hand gestures, not to do Adam hand talk, but like to kind of aid his storytelling, which I think is interesting. And of course, Dayton and Hespi, you know, she's resting her hand on his leg possessively. So it seems clear that they have like gotten together since that night. And all of that is done in just like a couple of lines of dialogue and a couple of bits of blocking, which I think is really clever and smart. I appreciate, although I feel like this is kind of stating the obvious, uh, Quoth being like, I know it's my cue. Yeah, that's right. He's a, he's a board trooper born and yeah. raised. It's just, it's very much like one of those things that you could, like you see it coming and it makes you just as happy either way. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course, because, like, we have the benefit of, like, being in Quoth's head and following his perspective. So, like, in a movie, this might play out differently, right? You you could play it, like, over Quoth's shoulder, like him watching the storytelling. But you could play it as, like, a hard cut after he leaves Faye and just cut to the his companions telling the story around of around the fire in the tavern. And then have the door burst open dramatically when Quoth comes in, right? But in the prose, because we're in his head, we like it's telegraphed for us. We're waiting for it to happen. I, I sorry, I missed if you talked about this, but I think it's fun that uh, Tempe is now cracking jokes. Yeah, yeah, that's part of his character development. I think that he's like he's comfortable enough in a social situation with people who aren't Adem that he can like get a laugh out of a crowd. 
Mm-hmm. And that also makes me wonder if they've told the story a few times, if they like have some, cause like, I don't know if you've ever like gone door to door or had to repeat a speech, but eventually you sort of like, you figure out a cadence and you know what parts to like to repeat and what parts kind of work as jokes. And, and I wonder if they've told the story a few times because they all seem to have a few moments where they laugh or where they get laughs. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely the case. I think that that is uh that is possible. I think we should still be keeping an eye on it. Anything else on this page? I am out of things. Not from me. We have a letter from a new listener. Uh, this is from Zach, who writes an irrelevant rebuttal from a very long time ago. Hello, Pagecasters. I only began listening to your series last summer as I began my third reread of The Name of the Wind. I started you all about 80 pages in and have been playing catch-up ever since, reading small chunks of the series at a time and listening to that chunk afterwards with all of you. Right now, I'm about 250 pages into Wise Man's page, but I haven't had a chance to read more yet, and I only have about three other podcasts all depleted. So as I tend to do, I turned to old episodes of you discussing the stories within the story. In this case, I was listening to Trappist's story from the chapter The Burning Wheel. And near the end, while discussing the chapter's name, Jordana posited that placing the word burning before any word immediately turns it cooler, and offered up burning table as an example. She was immediately laughed off, and I must say that the professional wrestling fan within me became incensed. What sounds cooler to you, that at WrestleMania 22, Edge speared Mick Foley off the ring apron and threw a table, or that at WrestleMania 22, Edge speared Mick Foley off the ring apron and threw a burning table? Jordana was objectively right. Answers regarding professional wrestling being uncool are objectively wrong and will be ignored. Thank you for putting up with my years. Out-of-date nitpick. I hope that informing you... You are my absolutely my favorite podcast I listen to will make up for being so off page. Oh, thank you. I promise to write more once I'm caught up in probably a month or two. I have cracked pots abound and my personal pet theory being Jeremy's favorite type, one with the tiniest shreds of evidence and a big reason going against it. I don't think tinkers are real. Ooh, I look forward to hearing that letter. Thank you for doing this podcast. It's made my third and I guess simultaneously fourth reread my favorite since, well, my first read. Much love, signed, Zach. Oh, that was a nice letter, especially because they told me I was right and I love it. Yes, and I, I have to say I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, past Jeremy is renounced. He is excommunicado. Uh, he is anathema. The, the, high, the high burning table will be hunting him down. And if he's not out of New York by the stroke of midnight, his life is forfeit. Yeah, because you, you like wrestling now, don't you? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't... going to like wrestling I, shows and stuff? I went to a wrestling show one time and I did have a good time and would go again, but I would not describe myself as now being into wrestling. Though I certainly have many friends who are and I, you know, I'm not a wrestler, but I have lots of friends who like wrestling. I have no, no beef with the wrestling community. I consider myself an ally to the wrestling community. <laughs> many of my best friends are wrestlers. That's right. That's right. And some I'm sure are good people. Uh, so I got I got no beef with wrestlers. It's just like not my not my particular cup of tea. But I did go to the local uh, Toronto wrestling league one time because uh, an acquaintance of mine was their MC at the time, their like ring announcer, and I was blown away by just like the level of athleticism and daring do on display. It was it was a fun time. And we we did and perhaps still do have a bad habit of laughing off Jordana uh, when she interjects with with things that are, are very good. Um, I have been guilty of that and I probably still will be. And I, it's something I'm not proud of when I listen to old episodes. I think we do tend to rush by you a bit, perhaps because you are not as, uh, 
You don't claim as much space as we do. I mean, I don't so think I, I ever I like, like intend been... anything to to be um, like super serious, though. So personally, I don't mind. <laughs> like, I'll let you know if I think it's important. I will let you know. <laughs> Jordana, I just want to encourage you to like manspread more on the podcast. Okay. I will adjust my seating you know, position like, vocally. <laughs> Well, listeners, we shall spread our knees and uh, take up a, too much space on the subway car when we. Oh yeah, I really want to listen to your your theory about tinkers not being real because I, 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 as we've talked about on this episode and others, there's a lot to pick at uh, with tinkers, and so I'm interested to hear that. So please do write again. Very pleased to have you as a listener. Thank you very much for your letter, and uh, it's really nice to hear that someone likes the show. Yeah, that always brings a smile to our faces. Uh, and you'll probably bring one to our face tomorrow on another page of the wind. wind.